To a very special episode of Harvard Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are Dan Ward, Mike, and Steve. <laughs> All right, well, I just the reason this is a very special episode is this is Mike's birthday. Uh, okay, slightly boring. Yesterday. Can we have a, so we don't have a soundboard. We should really get a soundboard. Whip, 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 woo! Yeah, some sort of like shock jock thing going on. Yeah. I feel like there'd be like some sort of. And we're back! Aruga! <laughs> oh, please don't. Wait, I think I downloaded a whole bunch of those. No. I'll, I'll find something good later. We'll, we'll get it later. Yeah, I, I got a new phone and it disappeared with that. But, oh, uh, no. anyways, um, let's start off. Steve, what have you worked on this week? Pass. <laughs> Mikey, what have you worked on? Uh, I finished the two lieutenants in the ancient in the Primaris. I put together ten more fire slayers. I am seventy five percent finished painting twenty of them, and I also put together a Primaris dreadnought, a Primaris psyker, and that's it for now. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. Uh, I'm guessing, Ward, your main focus has been shitty sound boards. Downloading sound boards. <laughs> and playing them underneath seconds. the table. I'm not well, sure if our listeners could quite hear I that accidentally one. hit pterodactyl scream. And <laughs> you accidentally hit? Put it into I the mic. I did. I did. Pterodactyl scream? Yeah. I, or as I, most people call it, pterodactyl. I went to screams and roars, and then, yeah, I hit the button by accident when I was trying to scroll, and it was... Just play it. I'm trying. And now it won't go. Like go. <laughs> Hang on, one more time. Yeah. How do they know that's what pterodactyls that's, sound that's like? That's pretty sad, so. Um, These people must have some sort of time machine. Uh, Jurassic Park is based on science? Yes, yeah. it is. Totally. They screamed and they sounded like birds. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Well, they were just featherless birds, weren't they? Isn't that all dinosaurs? They were pre-birds. But they weren't part of the Ceristians. <laughs> Okay, Warrens. Did you <laughs> Let's do anything? Let's not get all religious on everyone here. Uh, yeah, I am. I have only two more mechs to clean in my entire collection. I so only far. have like ninety. Have so you painted one yet? You're ahead of me. No, I'm cleaning. I just bought my base rollers for some bases for them. Are you doing those from for BattleTech? I'm gonna do the frozen ones. Yes, which we'll talk about later. But and then I also built up all of my objective uh, pieces from Warsenal. So I have nice. now 18 different objective markers, should I play a game that requires 18 different <laughs> objective markers. So I'm absolutely ready for all circumstances, like a scout. And then I was also working on some more training. So, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan? Nothing! Yeah, I got nothing. I'll do, I can do a shut up and take my money, but that's it. Okay, so fair we enough. Can, we can wait for that. All right, um... I got a little more work on my Cephalix. I need to have them done by early next week because I've actually started up into a kind of like Tale of Four Gamers kind of competition or like league thing with uh, Nathan, Taylor, and Ori where we're all trying to get a 75-point list for War Machine painted out between now and the end of October. Nice. So we're basically uh, the first list is zero points. That's easy. Well, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, well we all finished no. an army. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming you need your caster and, and your and the warjack points worth of models. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically like the old battle box size, and it'll be 15, 25, 35, 50, and 75. I'm just gonna say this: that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Your zero point list. Anyways, <laughs> but that's the way they balance the cost of the casters and it's, force you to take weird. warjacks. Oh, yes, just... and force you to take warjacks. It's called a force org chart. I don't, I don't know. It seems not that hard. <laughs> well, no, but what it, no, but like Dan hit the nail on the head. It actually does. It does introduce another variable that you can use to balance out models. So warjack or warcasters that are maybe slightly more powerful, but it's hard to kind of nuance um, on a, a free model what the points difference is going to be. So they use the warjack points as a way to adjust how many other points are going to be in the army. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you totally could have just had the warcaster cost points, but we're yeah. irrelevant. <laughs> That's not how they do it. So. We, yeah, it's moving on. It's never going to be like that, so fuck it. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Or they could just make one insanely good caster that costs points. Yeah. And has negative allowance. So the, the kind of the nice thing about doing it this way you is that... You smash your models to play with them. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're actually going to be getting together every two weeks to play some games. And so it's kind of a little bit of community building, a little bit of motivation for us all to paint models. And, um, yeah, just, I was honestly, I'm just trying to ride the momentum I have from lock and load because I know it's going to stop at some point. Oh, yeah. And did those three gentlemen also go to lock and load with you? Two, none of them went with me. Two of them went to lock and load and we hung out whilst there. Fair enough. Uh, but Ori couldn't make it this year, so. Okay. Just wanted to see if this was like a total lock and load theme or just 75%. Well, it's also like a great excuse for Nathan to work on models before he has a baby. Yeah, that will not get easier. No. <laughs> so. Paternity leave. You don't get that. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Well, it's a good point. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> good point. <laughs> Forgot about that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's it for me. So, Steve, let's give you an opportunity for redemption. You didn't do any modeling this week, mm-hmm. but what do you want to spend your money on? Uh, I am going to be super lame and say an honor to Doomcrawler so I can actually play with my mechanic. Did you say that last time? Maybe, but I still bought it. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> I, might have I think Mike said it. that last time as well. <laughs> if that's the case, then yeah, I'm sticking with it. All right, I, I appreciate your convictions. Yep. Mike. Which way should I take my money? Um, oh, damn, I never even thought about that. Mm, I got your Super Sculpty. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, Super Sculpty, so. yeah, because of the wonderful things we'll talk about later. I bought sculpting clay. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. 50 bucks worth. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's a lot of clay. One <laughs> can say he was taken for the clay. <laughs> I, right now, I got that. I just, <laughs> I'm just picturing like Mike, like making a vase with the ghost themes. <laughs> With Clay Aiken? <laughs> Not Clay Aiken. Not the Clay ghost Aiken. of Clay Aiken, because really he's, hasn't been in the media for a while. Realistically, it's got a base of 170 yeah. miniatures. Ooh, okay, 170 miniatures with 50 bucks of clay. We'll see if it can That's be done. That's a good ratio. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Ha! Uh, myself, I am uh, going to give some more money to Hawk War Games here right away, so... I'm going to pick up some of their um, command packs mm-hmm. for Drop Fleet, and then I'm going to also pick up one of their new Battle Cruisers. So, And that's what I was going to say. Mike also is going to be buying yes. some cards and some and Battle Cruisers. Cruisers. Very cool. 
I just forgot about it. There you go. <laughs> all right, Danny. You're old now. You're allowed to be forgetful. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite quite mean, but I liked it. It's okay. I gave him the gift card for the Sculpey, so we're I yeah. say even, probably. I don't know. Talk about giving One gift insult worth $50? Zero, zero points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are zero yeah. points. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I showed up and take my money um, as I am still living out of a suitcase and everything. It's kind of hobby-related. I needed something to read, so I went to GW, bought the Space Marine Codex, and bought a Horse Heresy book, the Shattered Legions one. So that's pretty cool. Is that short stories? or That is, yeah. Um, That's a short story compilation, so like book 43 or 44 or some fucking thing. Because Horus Heresy is out of control. Yeah, has anybody other than you been keeping up with it here? No. no. I'm, I now have one and a half books to read, and I'm caught up on everything, including virtually all of the novellas and limited editions. What the fuck, man? Like, I gave up after book eight. I got to somewhere in the teens. I read probably, like, 15 books one in the year after I started taking the bus to work, because I'd have, like, an hour to work and an hour on the way back. And then I got my unlimited data plan, so Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I have read not as many books since. <laughs> Nice. But, um, yeah, so it was um, Horace Heresy novel and the Chaos, or sorry, not Chaos, regular Space Marine Codex for the 40K. Nice. Um, Okay, I guess for me, uh, I got a couple things, uh, and you're probably going to hear a few of these again later as they actually come out, but they now have Bayou Wrestlers in Malifaux. Mm -hmm. Of course. Naturally. So there's little gremlins to go with uh, Mancharoja. So I'm real excited for those guys when they eventually come out. So I can have, like, just a whole wrestler theme for my Gremlins and Malifaux. Because why the fuck not? Just like last episode, I'm going to assume that you're making things up because this doesn't sound reasonable to me. It's 100% a real thing. And it kind of... Based on true story? Yeah. It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. But it was... I haven't really been paying attention with, like, the new stuff coming out from Malifaux. Because I've got so much of a backlog of stuff to paint. So then when they announced the Gen Con like, pre-release sales that were up, and I'm looking at the models, I had no idea what to expect for Gremlins. It was like a bunch of fucking wrestlers. One guy's got like a chair going after another guy. It's so cool. Can I quickly refine my shut up and take my money? Yeah. Because this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Do you, know, you remember when they had the, the first round of Apocalypse? And you could get like the th- three Lehman Rosses? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it had that really shitty upgrade sprue that had like a th- upgrade for every yep. tank. You can buy that sprue now for pre-order <laughs> at sixteen dollars. Mm, wow, yeah. that's old. I have no idea why they're putting that up for pre-order. I came across one while packing my stuff to move. Maybe they were like cleaning up the warehouse and they found a giant crate full of apocalypse upgrade frames. But the <laughs> fucked up part is, why would you put it up for pre-order? Like, just straight release that shit. Because you gotta get the hype machine going. <laughs> the hype machine for the orc skull. Because that's what you get as an orc player. I, is that even an orc skull, or is that the chaos thing? Because there's one that was like a defiler head. I don't know, man. It's a pretty uh, shitty frame. It was I'm unimpressive. Sure that's orc. It was unimpressive many years ago, which is not a good sign. I think that's just a shitty orc skull. I think that's one for everything. There's an Eldar one, there's an orc one, there's an Imperial Guard. It's the antenna for the command tank, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's a shitty orc skull. So what you're saying is that it stood the test of time and it still remains a shitty sprue. It's like the is that, that an orc skull? Uh, can confirm that is Defiler. Okay. 
Do orcs just not get things? Correct. Uh, that's kind of disappointing. Well, because we kept Ash. Uh, yeah, but it's take everything. That's all orc planet. stuff for me. Yeah. It was like when they had what's that even on here? Like there's some taus thing. I thought it was the antennas. It's just so you can mark the squadron command vehicle yeah. out of the group. Yeah, but what's what are these swoopy things? Eldar. No, no, it's it's, not, that's not an Eldar thing. It's I know a spoiler. Eldar. The ones up in the top right. There's a swoopy thing. It's a bolt-on Canadian tire spoiler for your devil. Oh, that'd be so good. So your devil devil fish can get more uh, downforce, which is great. Which is what you want on an anti-grav skimmer. Yeah, you want to make sure it sticks to the road. (laughs) (laughs) But in the 41st millennium, they don't need roads. Well, you do get an extra six inches of movement in old editions. That's gone now, thank God. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm very confused to bringing that back. So that's what my should have been taking my money is going to be as many of those sprues. Fair. So I've got wrestling gremlins. Um, this Friday I get to pick up my grimkin, which I'm really excited about. Nice. Because I got the starter box coming in from Roy, and then honestly, uh, that roller that I'm borrowing from Wardo, which we'll talk about in a moment. I we'll think I need some, some sculpy. Uh, no, I'm doing mine with green stuff. You would. You would. I like green stuff. It's easy. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be easier than that Sculpey. You don't should have we, to bake Should it. we move on to that period, actually? Speaking yeah, that was this. actually the segue point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Ward. Yes. Ward's completely enamored with the vehicle. I don't know what room. the hell that is, so that's weird. It's, all, it's, it's shitty models that no one wants to spend 60 Like, that's the kind of shit you couldn't give away for free. I'm guessing that's like a bumper or like a cow catcher or something that you can put on the front of your tanks. An Eldar cow catcher? Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not, right? So, anyway, okay. So, anyway. <laughs> Dark Eldar? Green Stuff World. No. Green Stuff Green World. Stuff World is a oh. company based overseas uh, that sells rollers to texture your bases. So, you have quite the option. They've got several different rollers. Um, they come on a, uh, basically, a miniature rolling pin. And you can roll onto a bakeable clay or a super sculpty. That's what uh, most of us have tried out this afternoon and such. Or yeah. your typical green stuff you, or whatever. Yeah, you can use it on green stuff as well. And basically it will make impressions in your green stuff slash clay uh, that you can harden via baking or just letting cure over 24 hours. Uh, and then paint it up and put your models on it. So it's a cost-effective way to get bases for a whole army that you're not basically buying a whole bunch of resin bases from uh, a number of different companies, right? The concept's the same as like the the stamp pad that I think people have seen before, like the Back to Basics one where you just like have this rubber pad, you kind of just press an imprint into. This just seems more thought out. (laughs) This is, uh, it's it's quite unique because again, it's not a, a consistent like um, texture all the way around uh, it's got quite the the variation all the way around so it just depends on what part of the roller that you use on your base so like the tip or the base depending on how you're working it's gonna have a pretty dramatic impact on the where on the, the shaft the you result. use yeah. it yeah exactly so how do oh, you roll dear it God. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing that's interesting so. about that over the base pad, though, is because it is a roller, there is no edge, which yeah. is pretty cool. It you is, don't actually really waste anything. It's seamless. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about the edges. You can actually spread out some large amounts of the clay or sculpey or whatever. And all, you can basically do scenery with it, too, if you wanted to. Yeah, if you had large amounts, like $50 worth of clay. For, yeah, just for a that? random example that has no bearing on the conversation. <laughs> on reality at all. So, now. yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing with this is 
Yeah, like Dan, you said you could roll an entire like roll of uh, clay, bake it, and then break it into chunks and have it like as broken rubble on a bunch of your terrain. Yep. Uh, basing, display boards, all of the above, right? Um, another thing that they sell to help uh, with the um, depth of, of that uh, type of material that you want to do. Yeah, you, you want to make sure the clay chunks. is flat. Really. Yeah, well, I mean, you get... Um, there's just your basic roller that has no texture whatsoever, so you roll that so that way it's flat to roll out. Uh, but they do also sell like these like little uh, rubber ends that you can put over top of the ends of the roller, and so that way it rolls a specific depth for so your. So it's like bases. a ring to go around the shaft. The shaft, the shaft. yeah, absolutely. It's you want increased performance. You want to do it at both ends though for max. Whoa, that is that is revolutionary. <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't do it at both ends, it would just roll in a, in a conical circle, which would be very strange. It would everybody. be at quite the angle to, I mean, some people might like that. The yawn would be absurd. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but they come out with, uh, they have come out with quite a few different ones. I almost bought the entire range myself here um, for us to, again, try out and use. And Are you starting a base roller library? Well, if just lend them out with for, <laughs> for you, maybe. Well, he even, even has a theme song. He's like, all your base are belong to me. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's Perfect. true. I'll be like, I helped with that. I've already put my request in. Thank you. Oh, you've got your <laughs> library card ready to be stamped. Good deal. Good. Yeah, he's going to rent two from... Blockbuster Ward here right away. <laughs> <laughs> also, great Twitter account, The Last Blockbuster, just as a heads up. Very funny. <laughs> there you go. Is um, it like The Last Airbender? Uh, no, it's literally like the, if The Last Blockbuster was still running, what their Twitter account would be. <laughs> I like how they great. had it's pretty good. I like how they had a request where it's like people stop showing us pictures of like you know closed blockbusters it's like it's like sending pictures of old dead people to your grandparents. It's just not cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's wow. quite interesting. Yeah, so. it's it's very bizarre. I like it. Tangent. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Um, so yeah, so they have uh, quite quite the range. I mean, there's your traditional like fantasy bases, there's sci-fi bases, uh, there's stuff that's somewhat specific for like Infinity. You got your yep. hex bases or your tri hexes and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, tile and deck plating and all kinds of stuff. It, the the range is quite quite extensive. Uh, ultimately, speaking of the range, though, I want to know before we go, what are you getting, Mike? What are you what are you boring first? It's the Greek one, is it? Or no, the Celtic one. You Celtic want one. you want you want the Celtic one for your yeah. uh, Sylvaneth. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. And then he's also going to be borrowing, I think, the temple. Yeah, the temple. That was for, it. For uh, the temple, carried in an alert. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So again, more more fanti- fantasy ash, but not like space wolves. Yeah, gotcha. For the runes and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, there's a lot of options in there. There's some cool stuff. Which, yeah, and the cobblestone seems like a really good solution for my cephalics. There you go. I'm not sure what to even make of that. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, a roller ultimately ends up being about $20 uh, Canadian. Um, And then putty, uh, you can get at Michael's, we found. Uh, So, like, what was it, like a one-pound block? It was 26-something. Yeah, so you just get your Michael's coupon and go in and buy it for 13 bucks, And you will be able to hopefully roll... Many many bases. So cost effective wise, I mean, I think that ultimately this is going to yeah. be more work to get bases done, but it will be cheaper, and they are going to have like a high quality finish to them. And, and I'd also like to see you be able to customize them so they're yeah. not not like the problem with the resin bases is you have maybe a range of ten or twelve, and then if you have an army that's a hundred, you have to buy that another eight times, and they're at all least, the same, and they're all, and you're going to have. 
eight that are all going to be the same. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I was going to say is speaking of customizing them is the resin bases that I have for my um, uh, dark age stuff. Placing the models on like the crazy textured resin bases is not trivial. So, yeah, sometimes that yeah. can be quite difficult depending mm-hmm. on like if the the resin bases have like a lot of like three D texture. So like one side is a lot yeah. higher. You have to position them at an angle. Like if they're full of yeah giant bits of fallen masonry and logs. Yeah, it's got a bunch of deadfall like logs. Yeah. Like I got a bunch of those back in the day for doing wood elves. Yeah. And they were fine for doing the skirmishing units, but the ones that had to rank up and stuff. Oh, that'd be brutal. Because you were so much more constrained and physically where can their feet go and still be level, they wouldn't rank up anymore. I have one model that's uh, that's got one knee like kneeling and I, like this crazy pose and will not fit on any of the bases. It's going to be very exciting to make that work. So I mean, I mean, the, the resin bases are nice because they have that like quite. Um, high uh, sculpt but again if you're doing like layers you're breaking into chunks after you bake it you can you can build up like layers yourself too but you're not locked into it the Egyptian one to break that up like that is what ancient Egypt actually looks like it's a bunch of broken hieroglyphics yeah yeah, hieroglyphics bake it and hit it with a hammer buddy yeah and then just throw that into some sand and boom the other thing is that I I find very often people think that adding more height to bases means they're better and it's kind of a bit of a for me. Unless the height for makes showpiece. sense. Well, yeah, but like showpiece Game are size of gaming. Like, and let like, why the fuck is this guy always standing on this one big fucking rock? Yeah, like, there, there's there's got to be this. It's not everyone is that one um, orc from the attack on Helm's Deep. Yeah, and even then, I'm sure he moved off that rock at some point. Well, I probably died there. Side note: There's still orcs. They're kind of so. orcs. There's like a they're new breed of orcs. orcs. Yeah, yeah. The orcs of the K, born uh, in the the well, I don't know what it was. There's some some name for it. The fires of whatever. Isengard. Isengard. Isengard that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Anyways, Isengard so, question mark. I'm, I'm, Isengard. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Tangent aside, <laughs> we're all big Lord of the Rings fans around here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like it's it doesn't make a lot of sense for these to be very very deep bases with all kinds of yeah. vertical texture. These these kind of rollers give you a, a great way to get. Dynamic looking bases without having to go up. Yeah, and the level of texture, like Ward, when you're rolling out, is crazy. Yeah, so I mean, looking at the roller itself, it doesn't like look like it's got very many deep recesses. So I, I can see a lot of people being like skeptical, just like looking on the website, like, well, it doesn't look like it's actually going to give me like a lot of depth to my my base. Like, uh, how you, am I going to dry brush it or the deepest, it, with it gives you one millimeter? It gives you a huge amount, just like rolling it on the super sculpty. Like I, was it doesn't like, look like it's going to give you a lot from just looking at the roller because the roller looks. Pretty, pretty flat. It doesn't look that impressive, but it definitely goes deeper than you expect. Very, very, a lot of texture too. <laughs> oh, Mike, it's okay. Um, yeah, and like I said, like quite, quite the variation. I'm assuming they're they're going to be coming out with more. They did like a lot of specific themes. So like, there's the Aztec theme, the Egyptian theme, yeah. the Greek. I was actually really surprised on how yeah, awesome that one like, looks. Right. So, so I mean, like, there's tons of. Options to pick and choose from, so I mean, it just depends on if you want to get together with like a bunch of guys and each order uh, a roller. Easy there, each order a roller, or I mean, just find somebody like me that's a sucker and bought almost every single one and just borrow them, sort of thing. That is but. fucking convenient. I'll give you that. <laughs> just like, don't be a dick. If you're gonna borrow your friend's stuff, make sure you lube it and make sure you clean it properly afterwards. And that means using more of a gentle scrubbing agent. 
You don't want to go in too fierce. Like anything, like a metal tool is going to rough it's, it up it's and just gonna be ruin the tortures. details. But like a soft toothbrush yeah. and some warm soap is like all you really need to clean these things off. Fucking Christ, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not... Like no, that, it's don't, it's true. don't talk. Like they, don't. Uh, the that wasn't even trying to be dirty. The webs, the website itself actually like has um, a couple like uh, tips to use. Um, so they, they, this is a tough. It, wait, it, are, it, they, uh, are they cleaning tips or are they tips to clean with? They're, they're tips to like. Is it get a, is the it most out of your thing? rollers? Okay, so it's like, <laughs> uh, it's a how to. Not a physical tip for something to scrub. Correct. Okay. Yes. So, like, uh, the example is that they suggest using Vaseline on uh, green stuff. So that way, because green stuff can be quite sticky. Look at the tacky. <laughs> tacky, longer, tacky. The longer it dries, it gets more tacky. <laughs> yeah. So when rolling that, having the Vaseline layer is uh, better to protect your rollers. Yeah. It. <laughs> I... I'm not making this shit up, honestly. <laughs> I know. I know. Usually we'd be stretching for these <laughs> shitty childish puns, but this one's pretty easy. My favorite part is like half of what I said wasn't even me trying to like <laughs> say shitty things about this. It's like that's that's where we're at in this conversation. Yeah. Right? All right. So should we? Uh, we've all kind of had a chance to try them out. Mm-hmm. Do we want to rate them? I'm. I would more than happily rate them. Yep. Yeah, me too. So Tom, what do you think? Four and a half. Whoa, really? Well, I'm interested on the where's the half coming from? Honestly, the half is coming from the fact that uh, as much as there is a fair amount of depth on these rollers, the stamps have more. Okay, fair. Like, there is a much greater uh, depth of field on the stamps, which is really cool. The stamps can have a, because they're mostly resin cast, they can have a little bit of undercut. Where these ones don't. I'm gonna gonna counter to the stamps, uh, because Roy has some. At Thunderground, and I find that they are drying out and breaking and and quite brittle. No, I have uh, resin stamps, not not the rubber. Not the rubber oh, ones. Okay, he's got the rubber ones. Sorry, yeah, I no, and honestly, out. I'm not going to give the 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 resin stamps a, a five either. Gotcha. Okay. Right, like it's neither one is an entirely perfect solution to the problem. That being said, they're easy to use. Mm-hmm. They work really well. It gives you a lot of variety. Um, one of the only things that I would maybe say is a bit of a complaint is, like, from the ones I've seen of theirs, they're also, they're fairly uniform. Like, there is some variety, but all in all, with a roller, there's only so much you can do and still have it functional as a roller. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be fairly uniform. But that is minutia. I think they're fucking fantastic, unless they but I'm made not them giving as, them a five. As, unless they made them as big as a rolling pin with... More and more variation on it, but, but then it wouldn't these, work because your yeah. like, your twenty eight mil base would just. Yeah, I mean, this is like the size of a hot dog, so. That's maybe maybe <laughs> that's a, a good analogy. Maybe a smoky. No, dude, you're overestimating Jumbo, jumbo weenie. No, no, that's that's a straight up like uh, Oscar Mayer wiener right there. There you go. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give it a four. Because. That's not as easy as resin bases. You but the cost difference. Like, how can you even compare those two things? I agree. A resin bases, I'd probably think about a three. Okay, fair. Because uh, the cost is crazy in resin bases. Yeah. Um, but a good resin base, some of them are insanely beautiful for um, doing, like, a showpiece. That, I would say, would be a five if you were only interested in the context of an army painting 
base. You know, before I lose this train of thought, how fucking awesome would it be if this company got on board with like a micro art studio and they actually had a handful of resin bases that matched the rollers perfectly? I love that idea. So you could have like characters. Yes, that would be insane. That would be super cool, and then you wouldn't have to go and spend. I don't know why MicroArt would ever get on board with that because they just want you to spend thousands of dollars on. Yeah, they never would. But like that's why they would have to like hire somebody to do it. But or some line that matched that. Like if you wanted to do the Greek stuff, if that was what they had as a product, like here's the rollers and here's the like the uh, resin bases that go in to do the like. 120 mil bases yeah. or like any of these ones where the rollers aren't necessarily going to work as well because yeah. they do have the larger rollers I think or no I'm thinking of a different company that has the rubber pads and Correct. they have the two sizes of pads that's yeah, what, that's yeah like you have your Wraith Knight or your Imperial Knight or whatever you get the, the resin base for that and then all like your Skitari would have yeah because m- as much as I was saying like you don't want a lot of vertical like a lot of height on bases on a 120 mil base or whatever you can you can get away with a lot more yeah, if that like, was if that's what we were talking about, that would be five. But I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a solid four. Could you imagine like if I know you're listening, Green Stuff World, because <laughs> that's what you do. Just make this happen, Mike. How about you? I'm gonna give it a five. I think it might be a little bit more work with it, but if you're willing to work and put more textures and more thought into your base, you can just about do anything with them at that point and yeah, right. make it make them not. One in every ten is the same anymore. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have different, you're going to have variety <coughs> for your whole army. And to me, that's a big thing. It's a good point. And if you can do a whole army for like 20 bucks plus the cost of some s- sculpting material, yeah. and you still have the roller perfectly good left over afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. From an army perspective, I think you're on the right track. Fair enough. That's what I was because armies. Yeah. So Ward, after buying fifteen of these things, what's your thought on them? <laughs> I think Dan should go next though first before okay. I give my two cents. Okay, yeah. Um I think I'll give him a very, very healthy four as well, where it is a product that's not gonna break the bank. It is versatile. Like you can use it for doing some small scale like bases for scenery if you wanted to. For an army scale stuff, they're great. Um, I do think they're going to fall a little bit flat, so to speak, for, for characters. But uh, no, they're for for a cheaper alternative for doing army basing. It's hard to do much better than that. I think they're way up there. They're they're easily a four. So you and I are on the exact same page. Bam. And I'm just like half more onto the different page. You you like these kind of products, so these base pads, this type of stuff, green stuff. I things. like products that are relatively easy to use that can have a dramatic impact on your on your finished yeah. result. Something like this is one of those products where you don't really need to be that good at using green stuff to take your models from looking okay to looking great. I'd also argue you don't have to be that great of a painter. Some of the resin bases are difficult to make look good. These have so much texture on them, but quick dry brush for a lot of them, and it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, there's very few things on these bases you're going to actually ever paint. Yeah, pick out in detail. That's a very good point. That should not... Except some of the cobblestone ones that have, like, a manhole cover. You just paint it fucking metal and weather it, and you're good. Yeah. But that's not hard. New. Yeah. Okay, so Ward. 
Um, so just before I make my final uh, suggestion, I know you guys were talking about like custom meeple or um, different companies to make the resin bases. They are actually doing some of the stuff themselves, so they have some Egyptian rules and some Aztec ruins. Huh. Uh, oh, they're doing it? They, they have some already, so they're they just like, like small like, little they pieces. Like they're chunks. not 100% bases, but again, it wouldn't be hard to put those onto bases But just again. scenic chunks. Yeah. I'm so okay I'm, with scenic not chunks. Not a bad idea. Right? So I mean, they're, I think they're doing enough stuff themselves that they could do uh, for anything else that they want to come out with. So, like, a Greek one with some of the statues yeah, or something sure. like that would be kind See, of that would be super cool. cool if you had some, like, actual, like, Greek sculptures. Yeah. And a pack with a big pile of fallen masonry and statues and stuff is, like, eight or nine euros on their site. So that's not unreasonable either. No, like, cost-wise, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to overall give it a, uh, a 4.5. Uh, again, some of the resin bit... Uh, the points that you guys made, some of the resin bases are, are quite characterful, and sometimes that's what you want for your Space Marine Captains, your War Dancers, that sort of or thing. Or something right? that's very specifically knockoff Eldar or whatever. Some, something, <laughs> yeah. something of that nature, right? Yes. So, so, I mean, like, you can, get, space elves. you can get a little bit higher uh, quality with a resin base, but cost effectiveness, I think, like, this will... No comparison. ...will go the distance yeah. for sure. Um, I like the variety that they provide currently all on their site with all the different options that you can get. Um, the service was fantastic, super fast. They threw in some freebies. Well, I did Free order a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, to give a little bit more specific uh, cost effectiveness, uh, my Dark Age bases I ordered. Um, so I've got probably, I want to say, 20 guys on bases. And that was probably about 150 bucks of resin bases to Whoa. order. Yeah. Compared to du- nice double what I paid at Green Stuff World. However... How many more bases can I now do at my leisure? Yeah, you have almost as many rolling pins as you have bases from doing resin bases. Correct. So. Right? So I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. Uh, if you make two bases per rolling pin, you're coming out ahead. <laughs> Compared to the Dark Age stuff. Compared to the Dark Age stuff, right? So not to say the Dark Age stuff is bad by any means. No, but, those bases are incredibly nice. But these, I mean, like, for what I've got right now, like, I can do Lizardman and Blood Bowl team. I can do my uh, two different uh, Wrath of Kings factions with two different types of rollers that I want. I can do all my Battletech stuff on the Frozen Plains now. I can do the um, Rum and Bones uh, pirates actually on, like, wooden oh, yeah. planks and such, right? The wood so, plank one looks really good. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, pretty much everything that I own, like, model-wise to has now a base roller attached to it, so I, I feel like I'm in good shape. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a good investment. All right, so moving on to the next product kind of review. We're going to talk about... Uh, I'm, I want to stop you right here. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at, like, Ward's iPad right now, and in the browser it's got, like, Knights of Dice, Hawk War Games, Blots. But there's also one that says Basic Lizardmen. And I'm real curious what Basic Lizardmen <laughs> are. <laughs> Do it. Dap it. I'm tapping a basic lizard, but... I assume there's a lot of Instagram filters involved. <laughs> They're so basic. Well, it's a star player shop. <laughs> yeah, so it's just uh, different um, third-party miniatures uh, of Lizardmen for Blood Bowl. So. Oh, these are so basic. Yeah, they've got... <laughs> what a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they look great, by the way. I just... Uh. Are those the... 
Are those ones that I'm looking at buying? <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that I'm looking at buying. The basic ones. Why would you buy it? Because I bought well, a whole bunch of Yeah. All right. I figured we'd eat up a few minutes of talking about uh, 40K cards. I'm okay with this, actually. Right? Yeah. So if you haven't heard about this... Uh, Sorry, one about? other thing. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what the so hell, Tom? We, we need to, we is, need this, to, is this an Apple keynote? Just one yeah. more thing? <laughs> Just one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, no, but Ward, can you please have, like... Ward's basic lizardman as the, as like the name for your team. My team, and just be like every time someone you're playing the game and someone's trying to do something, just like <laughs> just completely blow them Call off. Call my basic bitches. Yeah, oh. I don't think you should do this, Ward. I think this is dumb. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> anyway, Steve, I, I will not interrupt you this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna wait. Are you sure? Well, to be fair, if I was gonna interrupt you, I wouldn't like interrupt you before you start talking. Okay, so. I'm just waiting for it. So I'm no, like, I, so ready I'm for this. it. I'll start drinking beer instead okay. of talking. Okay. You good? Okay. <laughs> so GW released. Wait, just a minute. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I just somebody was going to do it. Uh, open war cards. So this is a set of cards to uh, try and spice up your 40K missions. Um, yeah. Here. Bringing cards into the tabletop. Just yeah. to spice Car- up life. Cards into the bedroom. So GW has always struggled, in my opinion, with missions. Something that's always been a weak point of their games. They've always had to have somebody, like outside communities, uh, come up with tournament scenarios. Uh, or they've done gone the route of narrative campaign books that give you all sorts of different scenarios. But the main rulebook scenarios have always been six recycled boring missions in my mind. Which was amazing, like, 20 years ago, and we didn't have anything else. Yeah, you had your, like, what were they called? Because you had the attack missions and the defense missions, and then the regular ones. Like, you had cleanse. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the names of all of them, but then you had, like, meat grinder. Recon. Yeah, there was a bunch of them back then. They actually had more missions in the third ed book than some of the other um, editions. But nobody played the majority of them because they just played the standard missions. And they were also really weird, too, because a lot of them were like, you get... Uh, a third more points than your opponent and this you set up as the defender and half your army starts off the table and they were just oddly complex and they didn't really change how the game played they just changed how you set up yep your models um so to kind of address that they've come up with this open war uh card deck uh and you get five card categories um you get uh your objective your deployment a twist a ruse and sudden death and the ruse and sudden death are not used unless your power levels are mismatched. So this is kind of the way that they handle your your buddy doesn't have as many points as you. That kind of idea. Um, that being said, I don't really see much changing. To give you an example, so like an objective is uh, the prize. Place an objective marker at the center of the battlefield. A model can pick it up by ending its move on top of it. Does that sound like something else we've already played? The relic. Yeah, right? Uh, The marker moves with the model from then on. The model can drop this marker. This is exactly the relic. The player whose model is carrying the marker at the end of the fifth battle round wins the game. It's still the relic. Nothing's changed. It's on a card now. It's on a card, and it is random. The idea is you're supposed to draw one of each at the beginning of the game to figure out what you're going to play, so you never really know what you're going to run into. So there's, there's different permutations of your deployment and your objectives... So, I always come back to this. It's shitty Malifaux. Yeah. Because exactly they've had this like. for a long time, 
Except they have good scenarios and they change them every year. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and the things that they're trying to make this different then, because right now you roll for your deployment style and then you roll for your objective, right? Or your your mission that you're going to play. The deployment style is just one of the, the six that they have now. And then you pick one of the six missions as well. So it doesn't really change that much other than you get more um, of these things. But what they've added in is these twists. So one of them, for example, is orbital debris. Uh, each player rolls three dice at the start of their turn. For each roll of a six, they may pick a separate enemy unit and inflict D3 mortal runes on them. Spaceships fall on their heads. So you're adding dice into whether or not you kill things. Yeah, and it's completely random, and it doesn't seem like it has that much of a tactical like element to it. It's just kind of... Well, this can you imagine so, it's so it's not even as good as the Blood Bowl, like, kickoff yeah. return or weather charts or anything? Well, it's not as funny. I mean, it's, it is atmospheric. Like, if you're playing a game of 40k and there's a spaceship landing on you because it's been shot and blown up in space, that kind of makes sense. But it, I, to me, in, in the element of good gameplay, I'm not sure I like it. Well, what it comes down to for me is that I'm always a fan of new and different ways to play. However, mechanics, they come down to dice rolls. Yeah. Where you, have you, you no and I could play a game, yeah, and every turn you could drop shit on me, and I could never drop stuff on you. That's not outside of the possibility for a game with five turns. No. Right? Like, that could happen, and that becomes an unenjoyable game. Yeah, and not, very only, quickly. And not only that, there's no tactical element to it. It's not like I did a thing, and now I can drop spaceship debris on you. I played this, this better than my opponent. It's just, oh, I got lucky. Could you imagine if it was like, you go to this building, and then... Spend a turn there occupying it by yourself. It means you can call in the orbital strike, and then you do that thing. Yeah, and so that if you're controlling you a, a tactical area on the on the board, you're actually doing something, and that maybe gives you a point towards the end of the game. Yeah, or something, right? Like that would make sense to me, and I, I like that. And admittedly, I haven't gone through all the cards, so it could be a little bit different. But from what I've seen, it's pretty poor. The one thing that I do like, and I kind of think is good for for beginners to the game, um, where they don't have. The, the equal points levels is the sudden death uh, card. So the one that they have here listed is uh, Vendetta, you kill the enemy warlord, you immediately win. So if you have way less models than your opponent, you can go and do that sort of last ditch assassination. Kind of like another game we know of. War Machine! Yeah, it's the caster assassination, which isn't a terrible mechanic. Honestly, I, I don't mind what if you, that. What if you play against the Alpha Legion and now there's just another warlord? Oh, that's interesting. Because you kill the one warlord, warlord, and the next character is that what they the have? In yeah, the, uh, the rules like the same. I'm Alfarius, and it's like you yeah, have a, to kill. You don't. That's what get, they had in the old Legion uh, book too, so they carried it forward. Yeah, you that's don't. Awesome. You don't get uh, slay the warlord until you've killed every character that could be the warlord. Yeah, it's so cool. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad they kept that. There's there's some cool shit in that book. For sure. I don't know how that would interact. That's another question for another day, but. I kind of like that mechanic. The sudden death stuff makes sense. It's not something you're going to use in tournament play anyways, because of course you'd have matched uh, armies, but it's cool for beer and pretzels games with somebody that's new to the hobby. So what I would really love to see, Games Workshop tries this stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but they never really learn. They always like just rehash this, the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I love what they're trying to do, and I cannot reiterate this enough, is that they're trying to give you more ways to play your game. Yep. Which... I am constantly asking for from most of the games that I play. Yep. It's just, I wish that the, honestly, the only company that I can think of that is worse at writing scenarios than Games Workshop is Spartan. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's it's necessarily that they're bad at writing scenarios. 
I think they are still just too stuck in the historical miniatures gaming, except in their universe. Except now it's in card form. Like, the idea is you re- recreate these epic uh, battles from the, the Warhammer 40k universe, and that's what they're kind of trying to do. Like, they've always had their great scenarios based on their campaign books. Some of those scenarios have been awesome. Some of the apocalypse scenarios, super cool. But they you, just can't write a competitive play scenario. It's not even about competitive play. It's about just, like, match play. Cause I yeah. Think, yeah, that's a really good I, way Because I think competitive is not inherently matched, and match is not inherently competitive. You're, you're totally right, and that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I 100% am uh, on board with that. Um, so either way, I'm with you. I think these are cool. I think they're worth having. They're not that crazy expensive. They're a way to play the game in a different manner, which could be fun. The random element or shuffling the deck of cards and yeah, whatever happens to be drawn, that's what we're playing. I don't know kind of if you thing. want to shuffle the entire deck because, again, there's five different types of cards. Well, yeah, no, shuffle the... <laughs> you know the, what? <laughs> we're playing only ruses. <laughs> We don't deploy, but there's so many one-off win conditions. I think one advantage to this is that if you're a new player, you can be like, okay, this is our deployment. This, I mean, you grab a card off each. You don't have to go to the rule book. You yep. don't have to worry about anything else. You're like, these are the cards. This is how we play. Go. So I can see it being a very accessible means of getting into scenario play. Yeah, and the idea is you bring literally any army, and there's a, a scenario for you. And yeah. It could be totally mismatched. Yeah. Um, but there's some way to play. Um, so that makes sense to me, but I, uh, dropping in stores and such. But again, like this wouldn't be tournament play at all. This would be more of a super casual beer and pretzels. Totally hard cash. Yeah, that's why. Hard that's why cash. I kind of like it. As much as I really think it's a failure, I love it from a concept wise so much that I give these a four. Really? Yeah. Holy shit! From like a from what they're trying to do. As much as it's realistically a colossal failure of actually adding anything to the game, the fact that they're trying is amazing. I just want to see them build on it. That's it. I'm going to give it a three because I would have preferred to see them do hilarious custom dice where each die, die facing just has like a weird representation, like, visual representation <laughs> of the objective on it. So, sort of like, they're old objective dice, and you're like, what the fuck is I'm this? I'm thinking of something similar, I guess. Where you have to roll them, and you're like, oh, lick, blank. You know those sex dice? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was not subtle, man. Just, like, say... Oh, all right, yeah, sex dice. Just say, like, so fuck dice. So, there you go. Yeah. I am confused. Did not know that was actually a thing. Anyways. It's totally a thing. <laughs> okay. Ward. One, One of the sides of the D6 is butthole. Oh, uh, that's... I have not seen that those <laughs> Turn around the perineal region. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. If only we had John Oliver's wipes to clean it up. Um, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Um, I, I think just for the variation this time that they've they've released, like the ruses and such, uh, again, it's I think it's a step in the right direction. It's not 100% useful. That's all. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a three too, just because it's it's a good effort, but it, it really is for casual play. It's nothing. You don't want this anywhere near matched or tournament. Yeah. Which is why I fucking love it. No, I mean, this is, but this is like those. That's the exact sentiments why I'm like, this is why there's a lot of promise here. They're releasing something that isn't like pandering casual play. It's legitimately useful for casual for play. Casual play. I just wish it was more than the already existing scenarios. Yeah. Well, there's there's more than that. There, there's a lot yeah. more. Um, Sorry, 
Is there a butthole objective? Uh, possibly. Who knows? <laughs> Could be the Tyranid thing. Get the the, the puckered sphincter. What are you gonna say? Prostately. <laughs> Prostately. Um, I'm gonna go the opposite way and give it a two. I think you guys have so much faith in GW right now, which is so weird to me. Because <laughs> like this time, three years ago when they did when was the last edition that came up? Six months ago, it seems like. <laughs> Six months ago. <laughs> yeah, it was less than two years. I think it was three years ago, summer. It came out in the summer, so it would have been about three years ago. Um, the scenarios they were trying to do new stuff with, they had all the new objective cards, that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure we were not into it then. But GW Wait. has changed so much in the last No, those years. were different. They were different. Those are the tactical objective cards. I still give those a one. Like, okay. having played with okay. the new ones, that still sucks. That, that is a horrible terrible. way to play. I agree. These are different. I agree. Okay, I'll give you that. I'm gonna give these objective cards are a fucking negative twenty five. I'm gonna give these a two because how far GW's gone with forty k making it so much better uh, and realizing some of the flaws in the game and bringing people back. How they didn't get the scenario? They wrote a fantastic rule set and great codices so far and great army lists. Their scenarios are still flat, and I think that that is a huge failing. Almost as big as how shitty the Iron Warriors rules are compared to everyone else. So, like, good for doing the Legion's book immediately on release, but you're going to give it a two because the Iron Warriors are shit. It's not that they're shit, they're boring. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They're fucking Imperial Fists. Well, that kind of makes sense, though, a little bit. But the, the only difference between their rules and the Imperial Fists is that they get to reroll wounds when it's targeting buildings. That's awesome. There's Otherwise, it's a minus one to cover saves. Whereas you get Night Lords, fuck it, I'm absconding with this. Night Lords, their units are minus one leadership. Oh, I know. And it stacks. I know. And it stacks with the banners Sorry. that are also minus one. Stacks to minus three only. Enemy models within X amount of inches yeah. get minus one to their leadership. So yeah. it's not that the Night Lords are just bad at leadership. Yes. Although that would fit the Arndemski Bowden fluff of them just being really shitty <laughs> at all yeah. times. But like, they're cool. Their <laughs> army list is insane with all the like the negative leadership debuffs that you can get going and yeah. all the... Uh, there's like their their tactical objective card where you can like not tactical objective whatever it's called the com- one where you spend command points I yeah remember the name strategic strategic strategies thank Strategems. you uh, where you can like force leadership checks at even further minuses and you just do crazy shit to make people run away it's pretty awesome can you imagine it's like killer cans is gone yeah pretty cool anyways yeah I think we I'm surprised you guys like those cards so much <laughs> like I, I told you I think it's a failure on, on execution but from like, they're trying to do something that's not just for tournaments, yeah. and that's cool. Yeah, like, there, there's some meat on the bone, too. Like, there is some new content with the ruses and um, whatever the other thing was. The instant win. Just take it, Steve. I will, I'm, I'm super happy that you guys like yeah. it's, a 40k product more than me. It's not, just, it's not just a chart out of the rule book, but printed on cards. They put some thought into it. Just yeah. not quite enough. Yeah. I'm still hoping that a general's handbook fixes all of this. Well, realistically speaking, this will be separate from that. Yeah. Right? I'm hoping that that... Because if they had a General's Handbook and these cards, they both can live in their spaces, and I think they're great. Yeah. And I think this is probably why you view it as a 2 and I view it as a 4. Yeah. Is that we're looking for entirely different things from 40k. 100%. Hopefully we can still be friends and still play occasional games. Well, we've done it this long. We can be friends. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Let's let's segue this into games that we can play and still be friends at the same time. <laughs> I think I might call Mike. Drop zone. Yes. Yes. Right. So, 
it's official. We get second edition drop zone coming out, and surprisingly, not that far away. Yeah, Christmas or something. Like they're oh. saying, fourth quarter, twenty seventeen. Yeah. So it could be as soon as October, November. So El- LVO will be second edition drop zone. Interesting. Ooh. Have you heard any of the the confirmed differences? Vaguely. So just there was a video that was hosted by the most obnoxious human on the planet um, from Beasts of War. <laughs> Shots fired. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, basically talking to Dave from Hawk. Correct. And they were going over... I think they only actually talked about three or four changes to the game. Correct. So uh, why don't we start with those? I think for me, um, the biggest take-home is that now dropships no longer... Are dedicated to Trans- units. Ha! We get to use them like you do now. Well, well not exactly. Not, not we can still like, sc- like, shell like port all over right. the build, over the table. Okay, but no, they activate in the same way as Sheltar. Yeah. So you you choose mechanics. you yeah. choose the unit that's activating and the course any corresponding. Well, like, you choose the battle group that's activating and any corresponding, uh, which ship. is exactly the same as the Sheltar yeah. dropships in terms of their activation. But like uh, once they've deployed. Yes. Yeah, so if a dropship drops off some tanks or some infantry or whatever the fuck, and then something else needs a lift, that yeah. dropship is then free to go pick it up. You're not attached and waiting around for that one unit to get out of the building. You can actually just lift other things that need to be lifted. And for those of our listeners that don't play drop zone, the way it used to be is you had to drop off and pick up the same unit that started in the transport. It'd be like if you were playing 40k and the unit of tactical marines that were in the Rhino could only ever get back in their own Rhino. They could not use a different transport. Which makes no fucking sense, because if I've got three Jacksons that get dropped off by one lift hawk, get completely destroyed, and then the other Jacksons lift hawk is destroyed... And they're literally sitting right beside each yeah. other. Yeah. It's like, the mechanisms for these things working should be identical. It's not like these three Jacksons yeah. are so horrifically... It's Yeah, it's not like two of them, like one is Michael and one is Janet, and the other ones are the ones that no one knows. <laughs> I'm a little confused That's right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got it. Jackson. Michael Jackson. And then Janet. Janet. Yeah, Janet. You got it now? You're caught Jackson up? Five. Okay, you're caught up. I don't know where, how we got to... Because he's dropping off Jacksons. Yeah. That's the name of his transports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, you, yeah, got the, you got the it. Basic you, you got the basic transports are Jacksons. Did not know that. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> Thank you for bringing everyone up to speed, because I imagine most of the listeners do not know the names of the troop types for the resistance faction in Jacksons. Wow, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a good change. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes playing Shaltari a lot more fun um, than a lot of the other factions because you do have a lot more tactical flexibility. Yeah. Um, I mean, admittedly, the Shaltari would need that because of the way their gates worked, but I think this is a necessary change. And you still have the differences with your gates where you can port between oh, yeah. gates around the table. Yeah, 100%. And, of course, your dropships can only still activate once per turn, so it's not like you can activate battle group after battle group in the yep. same... Dropship for the entire yeah. uh, turn, so they yep. can only do one thing each turn. So the next big change is how fast flyers work, okay. yeah. which is really fucking cool. So it used to be you'd roll a d6, and depending on what you roll is going to be whether or not it comes on, and you do your attack run, you're off the board. Things could shoot at you as reaction fire, yeah. but that's about it. Now what happens is you don't buy the unit you buy the attack run. So you would pay for, instead of it randomizing when it comes on, you're like, I'm going to buy one attack run from Flyers. 
Interesting. Comes on guaranteed. You can buy as many as you want, but the more you buy, they exponentially get more expensive. So you could buy up to six and have of one type of flyer and have six attack runs, one per turn. Yes. Could you argue you can do multiples per turn? Uh, They didn't say, but the more you buy, they get way more expensive. expensive. Interesting. So, like, if one is 100 points, maybe two is 150, maybe three is 300. Like, it. And you said it's a very, it's a non-linear increase. So you could have, like, ten Athena attack runs and have multiple a turn, or... But that might actually be almost your entire army at that point. Interesting. Because you said it would be a lot of points. Where it gets really interesting is that... The flyer models for drop zone are really pretty. Yeah. But you never have them on the board for more yeah. than three seconds. Yeah, because the only reason they're ever on the board is when you put it down for reaction fire, yeah. resolve the reaction fire, remove it. You now have an option to do what's, what they call like low flying, where you can actually be on the board for a turn, so you're shooting twice. Oh, I like that. However, yeah. they're worth a disproportionate number of victory points if killed. So you're paying the points for the attack run. You have the option to either just like boom off the board, do your thing, done, or you can stay on the board, get a second round of shooting, but also if you get destroyed, like the example we threw out was that it'd be 300 VPs to kill it. Oh, interesting. Now again, any of the numbers he was talking about in this video are all early iterations of second edition, so don't take anything as fact, but um, like 300 points for an attack run that's going to cost you... 50 to 100 to buy. Yeah. Um, so it's a big it's risk. quite the yeah. swing, yeah. I like that not even necessarily from a rule standpoint, but you're totally right. Those models never stayed on the table. You paint them up, and they were effectively counters or tokens. Yes. Which I hated because, yeah, like the, it, you want to play with the model on the table. Yeah. That's why we have... It's why we play with models. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't understand. I never really quite understood that mechanic from a, from a miniatures company. Like, that was a weird rules mechanic. Yeah. It like it makes sense from how realistic Hawk tries to make things. Yeah, but it was just weird. So I like the idea that you can put it on the table for more than one turn. Yeah. So that was another one. Uh, Ward, Mike, do you remember any other of the bigger differences? Those were the the two that really kind of stood. You know out what's even so. more exciting about Drop Zone Two? What being in the beta for Drop Zone Two. Are you? Can we even talk about that? That's all we can really talk about. <laughs> Non-disclosure agreements no. are the best. We can say we're in it. We can say how much we're enjoying it, but we can't share any of the actual mechanics we learned from it. You're in it? Are you in it? Are you in it? I'm not. Don't oh, worry. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> are you? I don't know. Maybe. I'll figure it out. Cannot confirm or deny. Well, you would have to I, sign documents. I haven't signed any documents, so... I can talk about whatever I want then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but it, it, uh, the other difference is that what they were talking about is that oftentimes when players look at Drop Zone and they're like, these models are fucking cool, the tables are great, and then they go to make an army, they're like, what the fuck is this? Because yeah, you have that ever, happened to me. Yeah, me as well. If you have ever gotten into this game, I guarantee you your first thought is, what the fuck is this when you look at their Force Org chart? If you're ever confused by 40K's Force Org chart... This destroys that for confusion level. Oh, my, no, dude. I wouldn't even put the 40k force on yeah. chart on the same level. We, not even in the same conversation. Well, I would argue making an army in If 40K you ever found trigonometry not... complicated in grade 7, you might find this okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's fucked up. It's so bad. But they're looking at addressing it so you still get the vibe from how the armies should be created, yeah. but make it less complicated. 
Because one of the things that I liked once I figured it out is Drop Zone has the most balanced army selection. Yes. Of any game ever. Everything is so conditional. Like, you have to have the core units before you can have the support units. Like, everything is directly tied to something else. And logistically, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you want certain combinations, you want support units. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it it is a lot to wrap your head around. Yeah, the and way they do their force org is brilliant. But yeah, that first it's tough. Curve, it's your first couple times you have to make or is not easy. But after that, it, honestly, it is easy once you understand all the basics. Yeah, of it. once you get yeah, but also it's figuring out the battle yes. groups and your your that kind of stuff and what can activate it. It's a little bit hard to keep track of because the force org chart is also integral to. But that's how why you print out that sheet yeah. and you put activation tokens while you. Well, I realize that that you can do that, but it's not a trivial <laughs> yeah. thing. Especially for a newer gamer, right? Yeah. yeah. If you are coming into this from having played other games, we found it complicated. Could you imagine if yeah. this was your first exposure to miniature gaming? Yeah, you came from Risk, <laughs> and then you have to do this. Like, Risk yeah. is is a complex board game, but this has gotten, like, Risk has got nothing on this. Yeah, and so, like Dave was saying in the interview, it was something that is very... Um, when, once you get it, it's like it clicks and it becomes very simple and easy. And you're like, oh yeah, obviously. But until you have that moment, it's very complicated. So he's trying to find a way, not necessarily to restructure per se, but to, pre- to present it yeah. in a more easily digestible format. Yeah, he's not, he's not trying to dumb it down. He just wants to make it easier to understand. Yeah. Cause that's always kind of been the thing that I liked about, um, drop zone is it's, it's more complex in a lot of ways than your regular tabletop games, if you can call the other games regular. Um, the actual gameplay mechanics are not any more difficult, but the way you play the game is just so much more realistic well, and more tactical. It concerns itself with logistics when most games don't. Yeah, that's true. And that's it has a certain appeal to it for sure, but it's not something a lot of folks are familiar with. Yeah, it plays, I would just argue, is. more like StarCraft versus 40K is more of a first-person shooter. Like, that's the kind of mechanic in my mind. Fair enough. Yeah. Another thing, too, is a game like Drop Zone, for me, has always been one of those games where army list composition matters, but not really, because inherently you have to take kind of your one of everything, and then a couple other things, and then it's It's really tough to skew. It's hard to skew, and it's more about how you're using your models than what models you brought. Yeah. Yeah, in and many you, ways. You cannot skew one way and cover your bases yeah. in other areas. That is impossible. We were trying to explain that to somebody else. It's like, you can go heavy this, but somebody's going to punish you and punish you bad in your other areas you're missing. And I'm just going to say this because it ties in nicely to the last uh, period. Because their scenarios are really are really well written. Well, the scenario is, is integral as to how you play the game. Like, it dropping infantry in buildings is necessary because the infantry will just die very badly uh, if they're the not in buildings. Oh, yeah. And you have to be in buildings to win the scenario. So and you yeah. have to kill tanks so to your drop troops can get in there. Like There's all of these layers of like you have to do four or five things that are all different, that all require different models to accomplish yeah. just to be able to play these scenarios. But if you skew to building destruction, you're going to lose to guys that go heavy air force, and then those guys are going to lose to people that have a better ground uh, presence. Yeah, like, like what happens if you play Intel and they just got to go in the building, find it, and leave? And you're like, okay, I can destroy the building now, but I still lost. Yeah, like you need to have a very balanced. It reminds me a lot of, of the way Infinity does things where you need to have specialists to even play the scenarios. Like 
go ahead and don't take your tags and do all that sort of stuff. But if you don't have a medic or uh, a hacker, you just cannot win. Except it's even more simplified in that it's, do you have infantry? Do you have anti-armor? Do you have anti-air? Do you have anti-infantry? You're good. Do you have ways to move your shit around? Yeah. That, that's Actually, what you building need. is a thing, too, also. Oh, Good yeah. point. Demo. But Demo's you don't need awesome. it. Demo. Demo. No, but you, there but, are... But it's a valid strategy. It in, is a valid in strategy. In a lot of the, the scenarios, and for just... If you want to make an army that way, yeah. it's absolutely feasible. Yeah, it's, it's not the easiest strategy in the world, like going f- multiple ocelots, building demo with Sheltari is... Aerial denial. It's yeah. difficult, but you can do it. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. A well-rounded army is way better in a lot of cases. So... The the punchline for me from what I and what I got from the video and, and I want to hear your guys' opinions on this too was that they like what the game is, but it's reached a point where there's a bit of bloat and they want everything to be tightened up. So they are redoing the rules for all the models uh, that currently exist. And when second edition launches, all of the models that you currently have for the game will be playable right from launch. So realistically, he just doesn't want some models. To not get taken, excuse me, because they're not as good. So he wants that to be balanced out again, and also wants to make the game a little bit more accessible to everyone. Yeah, that seems totally reasonable to me. My my initial thought on that is awesome. Um, right. I I want that to be exactly what's what they do. Like make everything playable, make the game tighter, make that four sword chart easier to understand for new players. All those things seem completely reasonable. Yeah, it's there's a little bit of polish that needs to be there, but they don't need to do a full, you know, uh, like frame off rest. Yeah, calling it version two was. I think this sounds a little bit more like one point five. Well, they've already done one point one, so like it's in the yeah. I mean, this is this is the first, I guess, overhaul of the game. You could say like it has been yeah. out. They're for doing five the units years. too. That that's the other reason they they want when they said they want units. Not to go away because nobody likes them. They want to make it so that all of the t- uh, units are viable. That's why they're changing the stats a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me, that is version 2 is because this tank that I would never use, oh, hey, that's actually not too that's bad. Not, isn't use that just 1.1 in a lot of cases? Because they already released points updates. Uh, that's points update, but maybe they're going to change how it hits, how hard it hits, how fast it moves. Does it have a special thing? Fair enough. Because the... The actual unit costs and stuff are in the main rulebook, right? Yes. So it is it is updating the army lists and the core mechanics at the same time. They, they updated the points costs separate um, at one point. Some of the units got different. But uh, if they are changing the rules for those units as well, I think it's just more than something you, you wouldn't want to necessarily have the points cost in one place, the rule changes in another, the... You know the actual rules printed in a rulebook that you're kind of yeah, no, that's referencing anymore. Yeah, it's cleaner. If Unless you're 40k together. and that's what you're going for. <laughs> 80 million FAQs yeah. required, go. Ideally so, not anymore, I, according to them. But I mean, like, the lifespan of most uh, tabletop systems is about three, four years. And it's been right? about five it's, since it's, Drop Zone initially came out, right? It's five. Yeah, it's their five-year anniversary this year, right? So that's so. a reasonable amount of time. It's a good life cycle. Yeah. And the other thing here, so. too, is that Dave did all the rules by himself before. It was him and his buddy. They were playing everything and playtesting everything. Now they've got a bit of a larger team there. And they are incorporating not an open beta, but a more there's more people in the beta now. Oh sweet Jesus! Speaking of people's uh, them just being the two of them, I have a new shut up and take my money. Did you see they're selling their model? Oh yeah! yeah oh yeah, my yeah. god! Go. We're trying to talk to the guys in mission to buying it, but it's going to be like 
like a lot of money. There, it's it's like that make f- us an offer. That full like the orbital ship that's to scale with in yeah. Yeah. They're selling that Street and readers. they made rules for it. Yeah, it's playable in game. How many million points is it? Uh, it's like three hundred thousand or something stupid. <laughs> and the rules are so tongue in cheek. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Yeah, maybe Ground Zero would pick it up. Ground Zero <laughs> to go with their battleship. So to go with their to go with their cool. heavy gear land ship thing. That's apparently gigantic. Um, but the interesting thing is, if you are listening and you do want it, and you live in North America, they will bring it over to a convention. They're looking for. They were ideally trying to make it work for Gen Con, but that ship has sailed, so they'll have to LVO. Yeah, yeah. So then you won't have to pay shipping. Well, shipping well, from what shipping from LVO, if you, unless you. Well, sh- you won't have to pay for shipping from the UK. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's fucking cool. That is different. So yeah, make them an offer. Yeah, we should we should see if we can't make this happen. We should offer them one dollar <sighs> just would, in case. It would fit in here. Like you don't need both of those like chairs, Steve. Right? So, <laughs> could you imagine how, having that in your basement, Steve? Right? How often oh. does Alex really like use her bike down here? Uh, not that often. I feel, I feel like we could sold. We could probably <laughs> clear out that whole section. I don't think it would fit in the guest bedroom. Do you think two grand would make it happen? Is that a load bearing wall? Uh, <laughs> no, no, actually, no. I, no, I think not. it's close. I to think 10 it would 20. fit in the guest bedroom, but I mean, yeah. like you it's put got like hundreds of dropships and tanks and everything. I think it would. Okay, Steve, just hear me out. I think it would fit in the guest bedroom, and you could like knock that wall out and put like a glass wall. Oh, like it if, I, if I had room. that wall knocked out, put in a glass wall, and then knocked out the one also to the storage room, I could maybe make this work. <laughs> uh, you should just just throw him an offer of like two or three grand and see what happens. I'm not going to do that, but unless unless I come into some money, <laughs> I still say price is right strategy. Just say your one dollar. Yeah, under everybody else. Did somebody outbid me two dollars. Wait for everybody else to bid and then uh, one dollar. We could also try and do. You know what we really need to do is start a hobby net in Canada like crowdsourcing. Oh, GoFundMe. Like a GoFundMe. <laughs> To get this thing to Edmonton. I'm trying to find the rules because it's so fucking fun. Because could you imagine having that thing in, like, in Edmonton to play with? That would be pretty sweet. It would be the coolest place to play Dropstone in the world. Oh, without a doubt. It would be absolutely rad. I can't, like, you gotta, you guys gotta see these rules. It's absolutely hilarious. But we can look them up later. It's yeah, we'll look them up later. Uh, Wardo, what's coming up? What's happening? Well, we have a bunch more events coming up. Um, so at the end of August, August 26th is a very popular day. Uh, there's a few different events going on. Uh, the first one we have is the Bash at the Box. It's a Century Box Blood Bowl tournament. Uh, it's a three-game event going on down there. Uh, you can check out the uh, Alberta Blood Bowl page for more information and sign up uh, ASAP because it's uh, coming up quick. There's also the uh, Edmonton War League Open at the Evansdale Community League. Uh, they've got two different uh, events going on that weekend. Uh, there's a single 40K event on Saturday and a doubles 40K on the Sunday. Uh, and lastly for August 26th is Mission uh, Fun and Games third quarter X-Wing event. It's a three-round event at 100 points to build your list. Uh, it's only a $5 entrance fee, so uh, Not bad. very, very reasonable. Um, then we have the Thunderground Steamroller on September 2nd. Uh, it's 75-point uh, Steamroller uh, at Roy's. I think I'm going to be there. I think you might be. <laughs> you should come, too. We were talking about that. So. If we'll you're not see. working, you should I go. Could, I could be dead by that time since I'm working so much this month. So We will see. 
Uh, then we have lots of September 17th events. Really? Yeah. September 15th to 17th is the Attack X um, convention in Kamloops. Uh, multiple systems. So they've got some Ninth Age. They've got X-Wing. They've got lots of War Machine. They've got some Blood Bowl going on. Uh, I believe Malifaux as well. Malifaux. So lots of different systems going on for that one. Uh, September 17th, Mission Funding Games also has a Drop Zone tournament. Uh, so 1,500 points. Yep. Uh, very reasonable uh, for uh, starting out. That's what most tournaments are going to be at. So It's also going to be great Onslaught prep. If you're wanting to play Drop Zone at Onslaught, you're like, oh, I haven't played enough games yet. Go to this. This is a perfect opportunity to get some games in. Get a chance to meet some of the guys that are out playing normally. Chances are you will be playing against some of them at Onslaught, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would imagine there will probably be at least two people from this table at that event. I have to check my schedule. Uh, and then lastly, September... On you were not one of my at least twos. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, Dragon's Den in Saskatoon has an X-Wing event. Uh, it's going to be four rounds, $5 entrance fee. Again, very, very reasonable for playing X-Wing. Uh, and that is on the 17th. I believe they have a 16-player cap. So if you are interested, uh, make sure you sign up soon. That's a big hat. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is Onslaught, October 21st and 22nd. We've got nine different game systems going on. Uh, and then at the posting of this recording, uh, Ninth Age is already 50% sold out. Infinity is over 25% out sold out. And Warhammer 40K is over one-third sold out. So That's off to a quick start. Yeah, if you're interested in one of those events... Probably sign up a little bit quick. So, and that is all we have for events. It's awesome. All right. Well, uh, this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Mike. I'm Ward. I'm Dan. And I'm Tom. Paint your fucking models. Have some fun. And you know, honestly, I th- okay, listeners, don't, don't put base rollers inside your body. <laughs> <laughs>